All right, everyone, welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast. I am your host and Wicked Witch of the West, who was melted after a bunch of water was poured on top of her because it's so hot in California. Kava Taharian. <laughs> and I am Glinda, the Good Witch of the North, just riding in my little ass bubble. Um, <laughs> ass bubble? Because it's... It's rainy and humid, but I'm still here. Uh, Angelina Meehan. It looks Different like a little, coasts. like, it's her, her little bubble in the Wizard of Oz movie. It reminds me of, like, Mew from, like, Pokemon. Did you ever play, like, Pokemon Snap? I actually know Pokemon was, like, slightly after uh, my, uh, my generation. Like, Power Rangers was, sure. like, I was a little too old to watch Power Rangers, but it was still awesome. I think I might have mentioned sure. this before. So I kind of watched it in secret. But then everything after that, I was, like, I was in middle <laughs> school and trying to be cool. I mean, I was in middle school when Pokemon was out, but I was not trying to be cool, and I love Pokemon, <laughs> so I guess... I never succeeded, guess, by the way. I was just trying. I, right. I mean, I, I thought I was trying to be cool, but I was not cool, and that's the most tragic thing of all, is yeah. when you think you're cool, and then, like, ironically, you become cool when you try not to be cool, and just enjoy the yes. things you enjoy, which is basically how I ended up uh, hosting this podcast. Uh <laughs> I'm still a victim honest. of this podcast, yes. Oh, I know. Well, we're, I'm so we're, sorry. We're, we're happy to have you, though. You are cool Uh-oh. now by definition because you are a co-host of this podcast, so thank you yeah, for trying to I did cool. something. I did something super cool on our little like uh, hiatus that we had, and I, while I was in London, saw a bunch of uh, shows on the West End, including, you know what, Phantom. And, uh, Lame. It, it, honestly, I felt so bad that we took you to see the Broadway production because the West End one, like, was so good. It was like on such another level. I was like, wait a minute, this show's not supposed to be good. Uh, <laughs> one day, great. one day um, we will make it. But in the meantime, we're still here. We're talking. <laughs> so last last episode. So the reason we're doing this, the so last yeah. episode, uh, we were talking about our boy Milos. Yes. And we had briefly mentioned that we would we were interested in doing Amadeus because it's a movie that you and I both grew up with that we both love. Yes. And yeah. the, your the audience's response through social media, specifically Twitter, but also a little bit through uh, Instagram as well was very, 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 very favorable. People were like, oh, yeah. my God. Yes, you got to do it. We would love it. Yeah. It sort of is like they don't really necessarily care that it's like not a musical in the same sense, but it's you yeah. know, music does tell an important part or in music yeah. is an important part of how the story of this film is told. So, yes, in a first we are directly responding to the audience immediately afterwards, yes. and we decided to do Amadeus <laughs> for this episode. The, yes, I'm, I'm very excited. This does set a dangerous precedence because um, right, you've that seen too. some bad stuff. <laughs> the, the, uh, you know, I'm always very surprised by like some of the stuff that Twitter will bust out being like, oh, have you seen this tawdry German this. musical that has a pro shot? And I'm like, oh, 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 oh. Ooh. so um, yes, we are. We, we have put the power in uh, the audience's hands. Uh, this one time for now. Now. This one time, but yes, we let we let we've let you guys decide. So I mean, which I mean, yeah. we let you guys encourage us, I guess, since we already wanted yeah. to do it anyway. But thank you for the support. Yes. So now we're going to yes. talk about Amadeus today. Um, yes. Angie, tell me about your. We we've sprinkled this out through a bunch of different episodes, and we always reference sure. it. But do you remember yeah. your history with Amadeus when you saw it? Uh, I what think kind of that impact the very new, etc. The very first time I, I, I saw this movie, um, and I, I feel like this is a common story, especially for, um, I guess, like American public school kids, is I actually okay. saw this movie for the first time in, um, I think, third or fourth grade music class. So we had broken it okay. out over like several weeks of class watching Amadeus. And like we'd watched, Damn. you know, a bunch of like. <laughs> Like not, 20 minutes not, at a time, basically. Right, right. That's you know, crazy. it's like periods of class are like, you know, 40 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes long. So, you know, we, it was broken up over like a series of classes. But yeah, that was the very first time I had ever seen it. We had watched so many like weird, bad made for TV things about like composers or music related subjects or just kind of like dry documentaries. But Amadeus was like the first like high quality like narrative yeah. thing that I'd ever seen in engage one with just like classical music itself um but also mm-hmm. just like the lives of composers and and also not, not as as a elementary school kid who is only beginning to really understand fiction versus reality on sure, like a sure. higher level uh being like you know my parents had to have the talk with me that like Amadeus wasn't real but like I was so invested <laughs> in it like just being like That's so funny. this is the most 
fascinating story I've ever seen. Like, I, I don't know. It was just like, I remember that, you know, how you remember certain movies you see in, especially someone who loves movies um, that mm-hmm. you see that make you go, holy shit, movies are so cool. Like for me, it's like, yeah, Jurassic yeah, Park. yeah. I saw train spotting in middle school. And that to me was yeah. like, one, like a moment for Mind me. Blown. Amadeus was one of those movies for me. Like I, I just remember, yeah, again, broken up into multiple parts, just being like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And then I, I don't know, time passes. So-and-so blah, 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 blah. I remember starting school in ninth grade and my English class had been painted in uh, all these like logos of, of shows that were on Broadway uh, in mm. like the, early 80s or late 70s so it had like a chorus line painted on it it had cats painted on it it had like beloisey blues painted on it and it had also the giant poster for um yeah it's a it's a play and then it it had um the amadeus poster painted on it and i just remember being like oh fuck Uh, yeah i remember amadeus yeah yeah it's it's, 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 like a weird silhouette yeah, and it's got like the big like uh, circle behind it, and it's yeah. supposed to be Mozart's dad and silhouette, you know, inspiring Don Giovanni. Uh, and I remember being like, "Oh, right, I fucking love that movie," and falling back into <laughs> another obsession with it. Um, and then watching it, like begging for it on DVD. It was like one of the first DVDs I owned. <laughs> I nice, remember, nice. yeah, I didn't, I didn't take it to college with me, and I remember I'd still go to the library and like check it out. rent it from the library and watch <laughs> nice. it at the media center at the library because I was such a fucking nerd who had no friends. I, I can't explain it. It's just one of those visceral things that you see as a as a kid and don't know how to articulate that it's awesome, <laughs> but you know it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. How about I, you? Um, my so when I was a kid. I had a couple of movies, you know, over like a period of whatever, four or five years, maybe like it's all sort of nebulous uh-huh. at this point because I'm older and I don't remember exactly when it was. But sure, there was like a few movies that felt like were just constantly playing on loop in my house. Uh. One of them was Field of Dreams. My dad was obsessed with that movie, like all dads were. Um, sure. Yeah, that's the daddest movie. movie. I, I, yeah, it's the daddest yeah. movie ever. Field of Dreams. My dad yeah. loved uh, my mom and dad both really loved my cousin Vinny, which was probably mm. I was I watched that movie far too young, but I yeah. sort of got what was funny about it. And then it was Amadeus. Sure. So I feel like at at any given moment, at any given day, like one of those was playing because it was like a you know, we had a VHS that we recorded it off of like the free preview of sure. HBO that had been playing right, randomly right. on the cable box on like a Saturday. Right. Yeah. So that's that's how I we d- had Apocalypse Now in my house. Yeah, yeah. So I don't remember specifically like having an experience of being like, this is the, I'm going to sit down and watch Amadeus for the first time from beginning to end. And like the impact of that. But I do remember it being something that was just, it was almost like our own little version of like TNT where like at any point you'll turn on TNT and fucking Shawshank Redemption's playing and like you watch it from whatever point of it is. I don't know if that even that's like an old reference now. I guess people don't know what the fuck that is, but (laughs) they don't know. They don't don't understand regular cable. This is before streaming. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The way my parents were like counting down to like the free Disney weekend so they could take oh my god it was a huge deal yeah Yeah, buy a bunch of vhs's getting ready yeah right yeah Um, it's like we're not getting the disney channel we're not paying for hbo (laughs) but uh we'll watch the free weekend of it yeah no that's definitely abadez is definitely one of those movies that like you're like yes in in constant rotation on premium tv i remember watching it a lot like there like just it just always seemed to always be on or like at some point it was on like i said the cycle between those three movies I do remember the fact that I was very little because I do remember being obsessed with the scene where Mozart farted because that was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, that that was a like that that got the kids in the class, you know, like uh, there's just something about Tom Hulse in this movie as as Mozart that is very, very oh, endearing uh, but, from the get go. But, but also it's like it's it's really crazy. I mean, not to overly like give this too much attention, but like there's something about being like five, six years old. And it's like it's this stuffy movie with I mean, it's not a stuffy 100%, movie. 100 percent. What you perceive yeah. as a kid. It's, it's a, like it's a period piece. Yeah. yeah, it's a period piece. There's adults like they're wearing this. Yeah. And then he literally like whatever. He's playing the piano and he lifts up the back of his jacket and rips the back of the fart. I was like, you can do that. What the fuck? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It like yeah. blew my mind. I think it was one of the first period pieces I remember seeing. And again, being too little to kind of like put words to it, but being like, wow, like they fart and everyone's kind of yeah. nasty and like underhanded and very like there's we'll talk about this later. But like, you know, a lot of Amadeus's critics kind of come in from a very literal place of like, this is not history. And this is, yeah, you know, not what these what these ca- it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's like no. this is this is a Amadeus is a thought experiment, you know, and no, like, on, it's honestly, a fun like thought you said it. viscerally, like, I feel like that's this is probably the original film. I remember being like, 
I can feel this movie when I think about it. Like I have a sure it's a, it, it like triggers a specific it's almost like scent or something like there's like a mm-hmm. memory associated with this that has nothing to do with like I can't tell you what the line was. I can't tell you what this is. But I like I remember what it felt like when I was little. And it was one of the first right. movies I remember like being like this movie has a feeling that I can't articulate. And it's like, yes, very intense and very beautiful and very like accessible in a weird way, even though yeah. I was so small. Even just like the idea of like, um, you know, casting Americans to play, you know, German people <laughs> right. and or Austrian people rather and having them speak in like this very like modern American like sensibility. Like, like, again, it, it went over my head entirely as a kid. I did not understand it, but I was like this work like this, it's something you see something that works and you don't know why, you know, <laughs> yeah, on paper it doesn't. But when you see it, you're like, uh, this is it. But but I similar yeah. to you, it was like. You know, I loved it. And then I grew up and, you know, I went to college. It was another thing where you, like, you have another sort of moment where you're like, oh, I remember loving this as a kid and sort of right, watching yes. it again and being like, oh, this is also still great. And, yeah. you know, it's a it's a movie that I, I, I think we were talking about this right before we started recording. I'm like, I can't remember specifically the last time I sat down and watched this, but it's it's yeah. always it's one of my all time favorites. It's like a movie right. that's just it doesn't matter if I don't watch it for like 20 years. I'm still going to love it, like no matter what. So in that case, it's a little bit yeah. biased. But it's interesting to consider this because I never really thought about the music as sure. how it tells the story because it feels again, I, I don't know, maybe we'll feel differently when we watch it again, but sure. uh, it's one of those few movies that I can think of where it, every part of it feel like the, whatever the, the writing and the acting and the music and the cinematography and the set, the stage, sorry, the set mm-hmm. design and like the stages and like the, these huge halls that they're in every part of it feels so, integral to like this puzzle like it doesn't really feel like one thing is necessarily overpowering one or another so I hadn't actually even really considered like it's almost I don't seamless is not the right word but it's like you don't see that what's happening with I guess I don't I hadn't really thought about like what music does in it which is insane to think about because it's right exactly (laughs) it's it's about I I never yeah I, I hadn't thought about like specifically how the music tells the story in terms of like what the pieces are and like when they're coming in sure yeah. So I, I'm really excited to sort of break it down from there and like think about it from Me that perspective. Because we, we, we talked about it, but I had never really considered it, you know, in, in that way either. And like the fact that people on Twitter were like, yeah, no, talk about it. I was like, well, shit, now I actually yeah. have to think about it now in this manner. It, yeah. And again, and, 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 and have not seen it uh, in a long time. But again, like I can feel like the, the, the whole like scene where they're writing the confutatis part from his DA series on his deathbed. Like I have that whole scene, like it's muscle memory. Like, yeah, again, yeah, yeah. I'm not seeing this movie in forever, but the Queen of the Night aria from the Magic Flute, where he's like sickly and like, uh, yeah, like it's just it's a very seamless movie. So I, it kind of yeah. makes sense that I haven't really thought about it in this way. Like, right? It's just weird. Kind of I, I'm is. glad that you also haven't. Thought, I'm like, it's it's yeah. insane to say that, but you're like, yeah, I never thought about like the music explicitly. Yeah, just sort yeah. of feel like, it all the way through, which is so hard right. to do. But like again. Anyway, maybe we should get into notes because I'll sit here and, yeah. you know, blow, blow this movie for like the next 10 hours. And that's probably not right. No, me to too. The audience. Uh, anyway, so Amadeus is a 1984 period drama film directed by our boy Milos Forman. Yep. With a screenplay yep. by Peter Schaefer based on his 1979 play with the same title. Uh, real quick before mm-hmm. we go on. Do you know anything about the play? I, I Are you familiar with it at, at all? I read it back in college and it's a pretty like straightforward adaptation for the most part. I'm honestly thinking okay. about rereading it today, <laughs> like seeing if I can blow uh, through it today uh, is it pretty short? before I get into the movie. It, it's, it's a play, you know, so it takes okay. a couple hours to read. Uh, You're a good reader. That's about it. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty fast reader. I'm thinking about uh, revisiting it like that didn't occur to me until like as I was writing the notes for this. I was like, shit, I should go back and read Amadeus. But I do know a little bit about it and I have a little bit here in the notes. Because it's a play, you would think that it would make sense to stage it as kind of a musical because it's got so much music in it. So I wonder what the play right. felt like without any of the fucking <laughs> yeah. music in it. I'm yeah, so yeah, but- yeah. Well, especially with like, well, you'll, we'll get to it, but uh, people who are originally in the play, uh, it's like one of those if I had a time machine type things. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, the film stars F. Murray Abraham, Tom Hulse, and Elizabeth Barrage. Yes. Uh, set in Vienna. Austria. 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 Good, yeah. Good day, mate. Let's put another yeah. on the Broadway during <laughs> no. the latter half. Dumb and Dumber, sorry. How's uh, Dumb and Dumber not been made into a musical? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, putting that out there. Hopefully in the Spe- universe. Speaking like of movies it, yeah. that I remember in my childhood, like. Oh, my God. I've seen, I've my seen whole that movie body. 10 trillion times. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right at the same time. 
Set in Vienna, Austria during the latter half of the 18th century, Amadeus tells the highly fictionalized story of composer Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart and his rival and his rival composer Antonio Salieri during their time together at the court of Emperor Joseph II, aka Rooney from fucking oh. uh, yeah <laughs> yeah from, uh, <laughs> from, from Fair Ferris Day Off. Yeah. Um, Mozart's brilliant music compared to his often crass and licentious behavior. Ooh, that's like a big word. Slowly begins to drive Salieri, who is portrayed here as talented, but earthbound in his music to extreme jealousy to the point where he begins to plot the younger composer's downfall by driving him to madness. (laughs) It's basically like a reality show, right? It's like, yeah, basically. It's kind of how it sounds. You know, not to talk about, uh, you know, our favorite uh, Danny McBride again, but I think I like this for the same reason I like Vice Principals a lot. (laughs) Like Vice Principals is basically just Amadeus, but set in a in a in a high school. That is a really interesting parallel. I kind of love it. Uh, Yeah. Again, Danny McBride, please listen to our podcast and make Amadeus a musical film. Just make everything. We just uh, Danny McBride. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it. (laughs) <laughs> um, will these two rivals ever see through to each other's humanity? What exactly do those <laughs> nipples of Venus candies look like? <laughs> That's another thing I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, being a little too young, but being like, I'm interested in these right. things. I don't quite yeah. understand hmm. what's happening, but I like Maybe. boobies with nipples. I don't really know why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, it's can- but it's candy? What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, has there ever been a more iconic on-screen laugh than Tom Hall's? I'm going to answer this and say absolutely not. That absolutely is not. Nope, nope. That is yep. it. The be-all, end-all. Uh, all this and more in Amadeus. Yes. Uh, originally inspired by Alexander Pushkin's play Mozart and Salieri, Peter Schaeffer's Amadeus made its debut in 1979 in London, uh, yep. where it was quickly followed by a successful Broadway debut the following year. The Broadway cast originally featured a young Ian McKellen as Salieri. Mm-hmm, Holy shit. Mm-hmm, Tim mm-hmm. Curry as Mozart? Mm-hmm. And Jane Seymour as Mozart. Oh, my God. As Mozart's long-suffering wife, Stanzi, as he calls her in the film. Yes, oh, my God. Yes. What a fucking yeah. lineup. That would have been holy. Right? Oh, shit. Like, again, a Fuck. time machine, right? Yes. Like, I would give anything to be able to go back in time and see uh, Straight into my veins. this production. Right, right, right. Um, also, uh, after... <laughs> Right. Uh, Also, famously, one of his replacements um, after Tim Curry left the show was uh, Mark Hamill uh, as Mozart. I think I've seen something about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that that was part of the reason why Milos Forman did not want to cast him because, you know, he was already coming off of, you know, the Star Wars trilogy. And he was like, no, I think you're just a little too Luke Skywalker now for this. A little too Luke Skywalker. A little too Luke Skywalker. But yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, it was adapted to screen with great success, garnering Best Actor nominations for both of its leads, with F. Murray Abraham winning, garnering a total of eight Oscar wins that year. There's also, we, I, we mentioned, you know, the top three uh, leading actors in this, but there are a ton of character actors in this who I really love um, that I'm very excited to see again. Simon Callow, who plays Mozart's friend, originally played Mozart in the London production. Okay. Um, so, like, yeah, like, I, he's he's a character actor who I love, who also, by coincidence, was in the horrible uh, Phantom of the Opera movie as one of the managers. We got Barbara Brin, who's in, been in a bunch of Sondheim stuff we've right, watched. Right, right. Playing, just, uh, that's Christine why I remember her from, from Amadeus, yeah. Right, you were like, oh, it's her. I remember when yeah. she showed up, and I was like, it was like at that period where I was rediscovering Sondheim, or discovering Sondheim in, in this movie, and I was just like, yeah. she's oh the God. best. This is yeah. what I want as a short character actress. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm very hyped. Uh, I uh, hope you enjoy revisiting Amadeus for the first time oh, in a little sure while. We've talked about it so much. I hope we don't let yes. ourselves down. I don't think we will. I don't think it's possible. I don't think so um, either. Everybody enjoy this ad break and we will return having watched. Yes. A, a Madeus. Yes. Ah, that's my <laughs> terrible. Ah, ah. And then everyone unsubscribes. And then the um, yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> We have retired. We bum, have, bum, bum, I lift bum, my hands up dramatically. Yeah, I lift my hands up dramatically as a as a shadow of of, of every uh, repressed memory you have of your dad. Yeah, your dad disapproving disapproving father. <laughs> I am gif. right. If all like if only <laughs> we give you know the audience members listening in a, a full. 
five cents experience of the discussion we're having yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we watched Amadeus. By the way, I didn't actually text you about this while, while I was trying to pull it up. But oh. so the whole deal with with this movie now, I've real I didn't realize until we after we re- stopped recording the last session and went to go watch it that. Uh, the director's cut is like the main version that you can find now, yeah. which I do not approve of because I've seen the director's cut and it is in fact too long. Yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's about 20 minutes too long, which is what I always say about like everything. But in this case, it's literally 20 minutes too long. The actual theatrical cut literally has 20 minutes less. Yeah. Um, and I was I was thinking about it when I was trying to find it. And uh, at first I thought I had the D- I, I knew I had the DVD. Sure. And then I went and like, you know, literally dust all over my boxes of old DVDs. And, and I didn't have it. I thought I did, but I guess I didn't. I literally went to go look for my DVD and I could not fucking find it. And like, so it's just like, well, yeah, I guess I have to stream this. And yeah, it's like the de facto thing that every streaming service has now is like, yes. like the director's cut. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not, a, I'm going to say it. I'm not a huge fan of director's cut in general. Like, cause it's like, yeah, you I have agree. the inclination yeah. to cut something, you know, outside of like for, I guess, enrichment experiences that it's baffling to me that that is like the only way you can really find it now on most of the streaming platforms. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very, uh, it's very a star Wars and like the first, it's very like George Lucas, <laughs> right, like right. fucking special edition mm-hmm. where eventually I was able to find the original theatrical cut through means that we are not going to discuss on the internet, on, uh, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I did but I did find it. So sure. thankfully I was able to find a copy of it and actually watch the proper theatrical cut, which mm. but just to young people who may have never seen this movie and they don't know and just realize that you're not going to be able to find the streaming version of the original theatrical cut. You're going to have to go digging for it. Yeah. It is possible to find. I recommend you do find it because it is much more concise and to the point and it's yes. worth it. Yes. You know, even if it's like a little bit of, of extra, um, you know, legwork to get it. But yeah. I, I highly recommend the theatrical cut over the director's cut. Sure. I, I ended up having to watch the director's cut. So, like, yeah. And then and, and, and so, um, you know, if we rub up into any things where or anything where we're like, I don't think that happened or did this happen in your version? Then, you know, apologies in advance. But I'm pretty sure I remember okay, yeah, yeah, what no. is and isn't in it. So. Uh, yeah. The um, anyway, so that aside, the story of Amadeus is the story of you guessed it. Um, actually, it's not really about Amadeus; it's about Salieri. Yeah, that's it, what this movie's about. Yes, this movie is about Antonio Salieri. He was a famous composer in the late eight. Uh, sorry, late seventeen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds. He's in mm-hmm. Vienna. The movie starts with him basically crying out. He's an old man. He's yeah. like Mozart. I killed you. Blah blah blah. And then he tries to commit suicide. And yeah. The servants catch him before he dies and they take him to, I think they take him to like what would have been an insane asylum. Yeah, a sanatorium. Yeah, it's like a sanatorium type thing. And he's got his own little room and they bring the next morning a priest to a young priest to come and hear his confession and, you know, kind of dig into more what he means by he killed Mozart. And that's the framing device for the film. And then they flash back. And so he starts telling him his life story of how he you know, loved music when he was a little boy and he would hear stories of Mozart being like this, you know, prodigy, which I believe he was in fact. So he was like, Oh, you hear stories about Mozart playing for Kings and emperors when he was like five, six, seven, eight years old. Meanwhile, I'm this kid playing stupid games in Italy, but I loved music. I understood it. And my dad didn't understand. My dad was respectful and didn't want to turn me into like a child laborer. Right. <laughs> His line was like, what do you want to be a performing monkey? You know, that's how yeah. Salieri's Basically, dad, his dad was like, have a childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. His, his dad was not a stage mom, but uh, so Sally, yeah. young Salieri goes to church and prays to God and says like, I'll devote myself to you. I'll, I'll be a chaste man and a good man. As long as you like, yeah, give me the means to figure out a way to glorify you through music and make me famous. Like, yeah. And then his dad dies. <laughs> and then his dad chokes to death at yeah. like a lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, cool, now I can pursue it. So then he does. And then yeah. he, then they cut to him being older. And he's now the court composer for the emperor of Austria, which is played by, you know, Rooney, as we mentioned in the first yeah. half. So Salieri's doing all things considered pretty well for himself for his day. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden word gets into town that uh, Mozart is, is there. Uh, this young yeah. ups- and he's never seen him. He finally yes. gets to see Mozart in concert. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he gets right, tickets right. through Ticketmaster. Right. Right. He pays the he's 34. He's like, I paid the fucking convenience, the 34 fees. Yeah, exactly. convenience fee. And uh, he's like, 
oh, I wonder what this Mozart will look like. Is genius written on the face? And, and who who is this man that, um, you know, is my contemporary that is already being spoken of in the way that I want to be spoken right. of? And as he's like kind of hobnobbing around the party he ends up in this room eating candy because he has a sweet tooth and then mean as he's eating in this room that he's not supposed to be in this young man and woman come in and this young man is foul and crass and just weird and uh, and then uh all of a sudden the young man stands up and he's like oh shit they started my concert without me and then salieri yeah. realizes like <laughs> that guy is mozart like this motherfucker right right like this 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 boy this this immature, weird little man gets to make this beautiful music. And uh, so then, like, Mozart is invited by the emperor to write an opera for the German people. And that's how they're mm-hmm. formally introduced, because Salieri is yeah. the court composer. And, you know, the the emperor has, like, his clique of, like, the national librarian, the Baron von Sweeten, the, the, the Kapellmeister, who's basically the master of music for uh, the emperor. And then... Um, the director of the opera and like, they're all just like yeah. very like not about moats. And then like immediately is like kind of, um, I guess offending them because he wants to, he's like, yeah, I, I want to write an opera. I have a great, you know, uh, idea for it anyway. It's, it's the story that's set in a Seralagio in like Turkey. And, you know, yeah. so it's like a very sexual content. Right. Yeah. Turkish yeah. Meanwhile, during this meeting, my favorite scene in any movie ever, honestly, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Salieri writes this cause he, he, he's not at that mm, point where so he hates. Good. Yeah. He's not at the point where he hates Mozart yet. He's just kind of like, doesn't know what to make of him. And so he composes this yeah. little welcome March for Mozart that the emperor plays very shittily. And then at the end of the yeah. scene, Mozart's like, oh, I don't need the sheet music. I can play that March Salieri wrote off the top of my head. And he does this and everyone's yeah, yeah. like, oh, and then he starts doing like variations on it that improve upon it. Yeah. And, and he's, he's making- like, oh, that note doesn't quite work, does right. it? And he's like, actually, it should be this. And like, he's totally, rewrites it. he's totally oblivious to what an insult it is too, which was what makes it even funnier. Yeah. Like, he's just like, this sounds better, right? Yeah, it's better, right? Yeah. And then eventually. And he's the, right. <laughs> yeah, it is right. He, it's right. And then it ends up uh, morphing into a piece from, um. The marriage of Figaro at the end of it. But you could just see like, yeah. you know, all these people around the palace are coming in going like, what is this? That's so funny. And Sally yeah. is just sitting there. You could just see like the. And just this push in of yeah, the camera it's, too. It's like one of the few times that they have. It's yeah, really funny. It's so, it's one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever. Like. I'm, I agreed. Agreed. I love it so much. Just like you could just see him like the, the, the illness that is going to be infecting him for the mm-hmm, rest of this mm-hmm. movie. Just like setting in Mozart's uh, debuts his, his new opera and like, He's he's conducting it and he's just like this bon vivant having this great time. And it stars uh, one of Salieri's stu- singing students, uh, Katrina Cavallari, who is played by um, Christine Ebersol, who's a Broadway legend. I forgot that she was in this. And Salieri totally wants to bone her, yes. but he doesn't, yes. obviously, because he's like, I'm celibate. I can't. He's like, right. I was in love with her. Right. At least lust. <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, so Salieri's already angry about that. And then the opera ends and Mozart's very amped on himself. And we're introduced to his uh, fiance or we see her again, Costanzi. We realize that she's his fiance and, you know, we meet her, right. her mother. And then the emperor says, well, there's two. He liked it, but there was too many notes. <laughs> too many notes. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it does start this like uh, track that thematically is very interesting to me where the rest of the public does not understand. Like, cause we already talked about like Salieri is the only person who immediately understands like the extent of yeah, this man's yeah. genius. And then the s- second track starts where like popular opinion doesn't quite grasp what Mozart's doing, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah. now at a war. This is a war with God. Like, yes, yeah. I, so he like takes this cross that he has on the wall and like throws it in the fire. And he's yeah. like, now it's about like destroying literally God. Yeah. And so he makes this decision that he has to figure out a way to kill Mozart to, right. like, to destroy him without actually, you know, murdering him. Like take, he's like, you don't, you know, not with your hands, not to stab him, but like, how right. do I demoralize him and essentially like literally destroy his soul and his psyche so that he dies. Right. And like he does. So yeah, like that's, that's basically the thrust of like the next two acts of this movie where half, it's yeah. just like, you know, he tries, he, he humiliates his wife, you know, by, you know, mm-hmm. making her feel like she has to sleep with him to get uh, Mozart a job teaching the princess. And then he discovers mm-hmm. that Mozart has dad issues. And like, that's kind of where he yep. like starts. Well, Cause his dad didn't bless the marriage. Right, his dad right. who was his, his handler or whatever, yeah. basically. Um, 
So I guess uh, I'm like I'm like we could just uh, spend an hour I'm summarizing like, well, yeah, this we're, movie. We're gonna like talk about yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, so so basically he comes back. Or, uh, Salieri decides that he's going to pretend to be the ghost. So his father dies. Or, uh, yeah. Mozart's father dies. Yeah. And then he writes. Um, what is it? Is it Don Giovanni? The one yeah, that he Don writes Giovanni. that's like about. Yeah. Don Giovanni's all about like his da- dead dad, and he yeah. incorporates his own life into it. So and or, because or at least Salieri's that's Salieri's- the only person. That's Salieri's projection of it. He's like, you right, know, right, exactly. Or, yes, yeah. yes. He's like, I saw Don Giovanni, and the, the ending of Don Giovanni basically, an army commandant comes and drags Don Giovanni down to hell for his sins. And Salieri sees it and goes, yes. like, oh, that's clearly Mozart writing about his yeah, dad. I know the way yeah. to, to finally break him, which is. So he uh, decides to dress in that specific outfit that he wore to the, the whatchamacallit, the, the masquerade ma- that they went to. Yeah. And he's sort of pretending to be his father's ghost without literally being it. And he comes to his house, goes to Mozart's house and commissions a requiem. Yes. Um, and he says, I will pay you a lot of money. Meanwhile, Mozart's like fallen out of public or popular. You yeah. Know, he's not popular. He's starting to play at like the lower kind of like more regular crowds. Music like he's not halls. playing like these prestigious venues anymore. Yeah. And he's broke and he's broke. Yeah. And he's, 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 he's and know, he's drinking going around drinking and being yeah. crazy. And he has no students because Mel Salieri also starts spreading rumors that Mozart can't be trusted. Uh, teaching young woman or he'll give him appointments that are horrible you know like so like he's broke he's broke as hell basically he's yeah he's commissioning mozart to write this requiem and it's like driving mozart mad and driving like stanzi away from him and simultaneously his friend who runs this music hall theater is commissioning him to write a vaudeville or opera buffa for him uh that ends up becoming the magic flute and you know there's this whole conflict of like who's going to pay you? Cause his friend isn't upfront about money. And so like Mozart devotes right. himself fully to this requiem. But by the end of it, he's just driven himself so mad with it that like, he's basically non-functional. <laughs> he's like on the verge of death. He takes him home from one of those shows and he's yeah. like, then he pretends like the ghost showed up again at the door. And he's like, yeah. if you finish it by tomorrow, I'll give you like a hundred fucking whatever. Ducats, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Ducats, yeah. Yeah. And so he stays up all night and, and Mozart like can't move. He's bedridden. He's like, OK, can you help me to Salieri? And Salieri's like, sure. So he dictates to him. Mm-hmm. He's like, OK, whatever. Start with A minor and then go to F and then mm-hmm. the fourth beat do whatever. And he, yeah. it becomes very technical. Also very interesting. But uh, yeah. it turns into like this, you know, breakdown of like how you specifically like how he's. It's interesting because even if you don't know anything about music, I feel like it gives you a sense of like how he visualized how he would write those pieces. Sure, Yeah, yeah. And then by the end of the and then by the morning, it's like they get through it. And then Mozart's like, oh, my God, like you I thought you didn't like me. And 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 this moment of truth is like, no, you're like my absolute hero. Like everything you've done is brilliant. Like I could never be as great as you. And then kind of gives him like a weirdly does kind of like relinquish him and give him like a death that at least like he feels happy at the end of it. So then sure. I mean, on some level, like mm-hmm. knowing that like he and he was like, I'm sorry, like I thought you because Mozart's me. like, I thought you hated me. Yeah. And so kind of gives him this reprieve. And then he and then Stanzi comes back and she's like, oh, my God, I'm let's get back together. But of course, Mozart's dead. Yeah. Then, you know, then they have like a funeral and then they cut back to the last. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm just speeding through it so we can. Move yeah. Forward. yeah. Uh, and then, <laughs> no, and then they cut back to the to him talking to the priest as an old man. And he says and he's like, and that's the story. And I killed him. And then basically Salieri's like puts his hand on the priest. and He's like, don't worry, bro. I got you. I know what you're going to say. He's like, right. I, and then he goes out into the hallway with all these people who are like totally nuts and like, yeah. you know, running around naked and like in cages. And he's like, I absolve you. I am the patron saint it's of mediocrity. Right. I absolve your mediocrity in like one of the greatest endings like ever of anything. So um, good. Anyway. And, and yeah. then that's and then the last thing you hear is is Mozart's laugh. And then yeah. that's it. And then, it, yeah. and then that, that's the ending of it. Yeah. Anyway, so. To get into it. So suffice it to say, we still really enjoy this movie. Yeah. No, I thought it was fine. <laughs> it was okay. It was okay. Um, no, um, I'm, I'm uh, really glad we watched it again because I had actually never seen Amadeus, the stage play. And so like watching right, right. this and then I, because we talked about, I think, do we know the differences between this and the source material? And then so this compelled me. I was like, I can't in good faith talk about this without going and reading the play yeah. right now. And to me, like, that's commitment to this podcast. You uh, straight was, up read the play. I didn't do that. <laughs> it was highly enjoyable. I highly recommend it. It's very funny. Um, okay. The play and, and like the changes because Peter Schaefer, who wrote the play, also wrote the screenplay for this. Um, and so that was interesting right. to see uh, what was changed and what was left out. And like the biggest difference between, I think, the play and this 
is actually the ending. Um, for the most part, oh, okay. for the most part, like the, the, the themes are similar. Um, for the most part, the story structure is, is very similar. You know, things might be shuffled around or given to different characters, but on the whole, like it's pretty sure. recognizable as to what you see in the movie until you get to the very end of the play. Um, that big okay. scene where they compose uh, Mozart's Requiem together is not at all in the play. Yeah. Like that, what happens okay. is someone off screen is tormenting Mozart or commissioning the Requiem in this mask and stuff. And it's not mm-hmm. Salieri. It's not that, but he knows that Mozart's going mad over it and, you know, wears this yeah. costume to hop onto that and drive him mad. And then he basically confesses mm. to Mozart that he's trying to drive oh, him mad. Yeah. That he's, that he's going to drive him mad and be his downfall. And then he leaves and Mozart dies. And then, uh, the other big difference is, uh, the framing device is for, in the movie is different than the one in the stage show. It is actually told from the point of view in the stage show from Salieri right before he tries to kill himself uh, as an old man. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, so ah. yeah, like um, it's, it's so it concludes with him trying to kill himself. Yes. Yeah, so like the ending of it, it concludes with him oh. trying to, ki- trying to kill himself <laughs> and then failing to, and then doing the mediocrities thing. Like he's so mediocre that okay. he can't even like kill himself properly. He can't even kill himself. Correctly. Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's really fun. If you like Amadeus, I highly recommend finding. And the thing about it is Peter Schaefer is a big, notorious, he likes to revise his plays. He's not, he's not one of those people like it's done. I'm never touching it again. Uh, I like to go back and do it. So what I read was the third version of the script that they had written by the time it got to the United States. It was, it was even more different in the the first incarnation in London. The original runs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, so after, after all this, I ended up just, you know, doing, going to the Amadeus weeds. And then I think what it was, was that Milos and, Milos saw um, Amadeus and in London and was like, holy shit, I want to mm-hmm. make this into a movie. Like, I think yeah. he, he went to Peter Schaefer during the intermission and was like, if the first act is good as the second act, I want to make this into a film. Uh, <laughs> not knowing that Saul Zantz had already like put this on his list of things I need to see because I think it would make a good movie. After like after like, oh, you know, it fanned out and they were like, yes, let's do it. They basically spent four months in a cabin, like going through Peter Schaefer's script and rewriting it and rewriting it and rewriting it and rewriting it. And wow. um, a lot of it was informed by the music, like what they ultimately ended up doing. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing that struck me about reading the play, because we talked about, you know, is this appropriate to do for musical explaining? Yeah. How much in the actual stage directions for the play music is important, like like how important it is and like how much of the stage direction just goes on atmosphere of what the music is trying to portray and do. And basically, I think it was it was Peter Schaefer who was like, I only want to do this if music is the third character, you know, like that's that's what mm-hmm, I want to mm-hmm. really elevate this to is music being the third character. And uh, he said something to the effect of I want no repetition in the music. Like we're, there's not going to be one theme we pick for Mozart. Like so in Peter Schaefer's words, um, I did not want repetitions. I did not want the Mozart theme. I did not want one piece of music that was not in the background cueing the emotion we should feel, but was in fact in the foreground. Uh. So, yeah, like that, that like between the nice. stage version of this and and even just knowing that and seeing the final product of the movie, it is like, yes, music is a character. <laughs> it is fully a character. Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah. And a lot of, and a lot of the scenes in the film itself are just literally constructed around the creation of a theme or the playing of a song yeah. or, or whatever. And again, just because, I mean, there is singing obviously, but it's like because the main characters aren't necessarily breaking out into song right. to express their heightened emotions. It is still a very heightened emotion. Like you yes. said, like even referencing back the specific part of Don Giovanni being about, you know, like you said, Mo- or, uh, 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 Salieri's projection onto yes. um, onto Mozart and being like, this is about his. Oh, and then the other. What was the other one about his mother-in-law? Uh, I forget what that. Oh, one. the Queen of the Night, like Aria. Second, yeah. 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 Where she's like she's coming in to yell at Mozart and he's like and he has this like. So it reminded me of like that scene in Tick, Tick, Boom where they're like, you're pulling inspiration right now, aren't you? Like right. you're using this drama as like right. something. Yeah. And so Mort starts getting yelled at by his mother-in-law where she's like, you won't have a pot to piss in. Like I told my daughter you're bullshit. And he sort of has this look where he's like, oh, and then they cut to that like really insane, beautiful set. Yeah. Um, oh, Ari, where she's just what the fuck is that thing? I don't even know what it was. All, all of like the the sets for the operas in this are just like so or like the staging of it. A lot of that that's Twyla. Phenomenal. Art. I don't know who the art director was for this, but like it's just yeah that that scene in general is just like so stunning looking. You're like, what am I looking at? This is awesome. What? Yeah. yeah. Uh, to say nothing of the fact that they're shooting in all of these you know 18th century theaters that still exist in Prague because Prague is Prague, and you know like yeah was left basically unchanged. But you can also make the argument, right, that like each little opera that he writes ends up incorporating somehow into the plot. Right. So the first one is like 
you meet Mozart. He's this vulgar guy. And he comes yeah. in with this idea that's very vulgar about being in a, you know, Turkish bath or a Turkish uh, fucking harem. Mm-hmm. And then it has these, what do they say? He's like, oh, it just does these arpeggios going up and down for like right. 10 minutes. It stars this woman that, you know, Salieri's, you know, in lust with as by mm-hmm. with his own by his own words. Yeah. Uh, and it's like this very crass thing. And then it still it still incorporates back into the story of him just being like, oh, and then the, the emperor still says too many notes. Yeah. 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 Right? And that sort of dr- that drives each song to be. And like you said, the, even the little the march that he plays for Mozart when he comes in, when they first get introduced, incorporates into this. So it's like it all sort of builds one by one by one by one. Yeah. And each one of these things ends up being about something that's happening emotionally in the story at that time rather than just like this is a cool song to put in the background because it feels right 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 like even the choice of the the scene uh where you introduce mozart himself and it's uh the one like clarinet concerto uh the oh, way mozart so another way, one of my favorite scenes ever so good uh but the way salieri describes it too is such a good like analogy to who mozart is because he describes it in these vulgar yeah. terms as sounding like a like a squeeze box like a rusty squeeze box squeeze yeah. box you know this very common and vulgar thing but then like there's this one thing Thing that like in in as Celieri talks, it's this clarin or not clarinet. Sorry, it's an oboe rather. Um, oboe, yeah. It's an oboe concerto. Um, the, he's like it's this vulgar squeeze box, but then you just hear this one pure oboe note coming in and sustaining it, and like that is like it's just like the little things that you cannot think about doing that make Mozart such what longing. he is. He's such a vul- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like but like Mozart, Mozart's this vulgar guy, but he has like this. Thing that like only his brain can put in, and I'm like, I love that they use that piece as the analogy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the introduction, and of even Mozart. actually, even even the introduction, right? When they when they come find Salieri, and he's an old man, and he's tri- just tried to kill himself, and they're mm-hmm. taking him to the uh, the infirmary. Yeah, right. They're taking him on this stretcher through the streets of Vienna, and it's nighttime, and it's totally winter, and mm. it's. The I, for, I forget what the piece is, but the piece that starts with starts is like it's very dramatic. And then it sort of it, it intercuts. I mean, in the actual track itself, right in the actual mm-hmm. piece itself, it goes from this very dramatic thing to like this kind of light, flowery bounce back. Yeah. And w- what's really interesting is, is that they cut between Salieri on the stretcher being taken away because he's like almost at the end of his he thinks he's at the end of his life because he's tried to kill himself. Right. And then it, and he's basically they're walking by these dance halls where people are just sort of like dancing to Mozart's music right. and having a great time. And he still sees it as like this. I'm being tormented even in death, like right. even at the end of my life. I'm still hearing this shit because no one remembers Salieri at this point. So one of the things I noticed, obviously, we have plenty of notes that we had probably going to discuss. But one, yeah. one of the main things I realized this time that I had not. I mean, I had sort of caught on, but I didn't really wasn't able to put words to it is like. Mm. There's two devices in the editing of this film that mm. really sort of gives it that punch, and especially mm-hmm. in the first half. Mm-hmm. And one of them, at the, at the risk of sounding ridiculous, I kind of said something about this in the first half, but after I watched it again, I was like, oh, this really is kind of like a reality TV show. Like, it's, it's very... Um, and I don't really watch that much real. I'm not, I should say not much. I don't watch any reality TV show, but I'm just sort of familiar with it through osmosis of uh-huh. like... You don't watch Love like Island! Housewives and... Ch- <laughs> no, I don't watch any of these ones, but like, sure. but the format of like, you know, they'll, they'll show people like doing whatever and then they'll cut to the, what do they call them? Like the confessionals or like the sort of the box that they go to where they talk directly to the camera and they're yeah. like, she was whatever. And then yeah. I decided I'm going to destroy her because she's like a little bitch. And then they're, oh it's a lot about these like. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just like freaking out because I'm like, that is such a great way to articulate like <laughs> a lot of the tone of this movie. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally I don't it's not intentional, but it's like it's that's what's so interesting about the framing device of the priest Mm -hmm. of him talking to him, because like you see Mozart, I'm sorry, you see Salieri doing all this stuff. You see all these reaction shots of Mm -hmm. Salieri just being like he just he looks he's a meme. That's all like at any scene (laughs) you could have just given Salieri a fucking glass of like like a flute of like a mimosa or like yeah. champagne. And you just, he's going to throw it on Mozart and like, right. you know, walk off like at any moment throughout the entire film. He's very much, I don't mean that in like a dismissive way. I just mean yeah. like, in it's, no, that's, that's all I kept thinking in a really funny way. I was like, it's hilarious that they unintentionally did that. Yeah. It's either like, you'll see him like seething or you'll see Salieri being duplicitous and being friendly to Mozart. And then it'll cut yeah, to him yeah, being like, yeah. I didn't like that bitch though. You know, <laughs> like exactly. Yeah. And he's like, now it's about God. Now yeah. like he doesn't understand that. Like I'm a genius. It's so fucking petty and hysterical. Yeah. yeah. And and in a, in a movie that's you would think is typically something that's very, very stuffy. And it's about like two men like wagging their dicks at each other. But right. it's, it actually is. very. And then the other funny part of it is like 
as you mentioned before, like Mozart is completely, this is a completely one-sided rivalry. Yes. Like yeah, it's yeah, an yeah. unrequited rivalry. Like Mozart has no fucking idea what's going on, which is what yeah. makes it even funnier. Like, yeah. Mo, like Salieri's just pettiness and the degree to which he wants to destroy him. And not only does he want to destroy him, he's like, no, this is a war on fucking God. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to hear him articulate that is like really, really funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. just a reality TV show. It's just him being some fucking crazy meme. It's great. Right. Like, it's even funnier, like, in the play, there's, uh, like, around the same turn uh, that it, where it takes place in the movie, it leans even more into the fact that Mozart is just a proxy against his war on God. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the monologues yeah, yeah. that Salieri has against God are longer. They're even more verbose and, like... This is my holy mission. And Mozart, Mozart is somehow even more vulgar and more of like kind of like a, a clueless idiot in the play. And it's, so it's 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 very funny. I highly recommend it. But like, yeah, like it is funny. It really like, you know, this idea of what success means versus like fame versus like because by all accounts, yeah, Salieri yeah. gets what he wanted, you know. Oh, he's the rich one. Yeah, right. he's the one who's he's baller. Rich. He's rich. He lives to the long age. People like him, you know, like, yeah, he lives for yeah. a long I age. I liked myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's all just like this internal one-sided war that he, you know, gives, yeah. assigns glorious purpose and all this great meaning to, but it's just like the most petty-ass bullshit. In the same way that a lot of reality TV stuff is petty-ass yeah, one-sided yeah. bullshit. Like, I had never thought but about that like movie this way. it's not watch it, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's totally what it is. Such a great way to frame this movie. <laughs> oh my god, that—that that is the chef's kiss right there. Um, mind blown, mind blown. There's the audience, and then there are two side characters who Salieri refers to as like I don't speak Italian, but I believe it's Venuti, which means little winds. So a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. that is either directly shown in the film or conveyed in dialogue yeah. is actually conveyed through them. They'll be like, whisper, whisper, I heard this, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. it's either them or it's, um, I mentioned earlier that the little click of the emperor's like people uh, are also yeah, yeah, yeah. like oh somehow they're so bitchy. They're even bitchier in the show. Like, and like, it's so they, funny. They play up the rivalry between all the Italian people in the committee and then all the German speakers <laughs> in it. And it's so funny. Um, but yeah. Uh, I understand why they changed things the way they did, but like, it, yeah, like, uh, like it's uh, this is such a good case for how you do adapt something for the screen because it re- kept everything yeah, yeah. intact, but it's super different. Um, but anyway, sorry. And, and and also based on what you were saying earlier about comedy, right, about it being funny, it's especially in the first half, like all those scenes, like the ones with like the the Emperor's Click and bringing in of Mozart and commissioning this, that, and the other thing. It's all it's shot like a comedy. And maybe this is a little bit of film explaining, but like mm. the way you cut the way you cut comedy is reaction shots. That's it. So mm. someone will say something, and then as they're either finishing the line or after the line's done, you cut to the character who has a reaction to it, mm-hmm. whether it's just like a, a weird face or like they laugh or they're sort of like uncomfortable with it. Like sure. that's really how comedies are made. Like mm-hmm. that's it's just all editing, like back and forth. Mm-hmm. That's what happens in all of these scenes. That's what makes them so funny. Is yeah. like the characters are very very clear. It's about. You know, this guy. And also it made me think of um, this directing teacher I had who I loved and he Mm. was he was totally nuts and he was great. And he would always say like and people would come in like film school students would come in and be like, this scene is about like society, like doing. And he'd be like, no, shut up. Yeah. He's like directing should be simple. He's like, that doesn't mean it's easy. He's like, but it should be simple. He's like, you should be able to tell the story is like it's about this dude doing this thing Mm. and he wants this thing from this other person and that's it. And he's like, and anything more than that, you're fucking it up. Yeah. Right. So like you look at these scenes with, with the emperor and it's like, that's just Milos Forman being like, Hey man, this is about me going into a studio executive and pitching my next film and waiting and trying to convince him about some shit. And then there's this fucking other executive who's really pissy and is like a social climber and they're trying to fucking edge their bullshit in so that they sound like cool so that they end up getting hired. That's it. That's all those scenes are. That's what makes them funny. That's what makes them so effective. It's not super complicated. And like the staging is really simple Mm -hmm. and the camera work is really simple. Like we said, until it goes into this one moment where, you know, Mozart's taking (laughs) his theme and he's sort of like fucked with it and then there's this push in on Salieri's face which again like the meme king of all meme kings like the guy just has this bitchy like oh he's like how is he trying to destroy me like there's something about F. Murray Abraham in this movie that just reminds me of like Squidward and Spongebob oh yes very much so yeah and like F. Murray Abraham just gives off such Squidward vibes in this and like like he yeah he's like a meme like Squidward is is a meme you know like just like just this absolutely great sour he's just so good at these sour ass mean but like quietly mean faces like just like mm-hmm. oh. 
you know, I, I sat there He's watching. just dying on the inside every time. That's right. the funny part. <laughs> you could just see his soul He's always dying his on body. the inside, which is so relatable. Yeah. So relatable. That's the yeah. thing. I well, love, that's the other thing. It's like, you're meant to hate him, right? He's right. meant to be the villain of it, but you're right. also just like, bro, I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. Well, I sat here, like, related to this, I sat here going, because, like, F. Murray Abraham and Tom Hulse were both nominated for Best Actor in this, and, like, I always yeah. go back and forth about which performance I enjoy more, because, like, usually I'm like, oh, you know, F. Murray Abraham, I understand why he won this. He, like, but, like, watching Tom yeah. Hulse in this is so good, because, like, one, like, Mozart has to be, you, as the audience member, have to be like, oh, my God, this guy's annoying as fuck. He reminds me of every, like, <laughs> like, rich nepotism kid who doesn't understand what he has, you know, and like, just like wastes it all. But the thing is, is like that Mozart also is a very, he's actually genuinely talented and loses, you know, like, and it's, I think that's like such a hard contradiction to play and to play believably. Like just that, like he he has that energy of like the frat boy who has never had to, you know, think about anything else in his life. But like, he fails so hard in this show and like in such a depressing and sad way. And like, you don't really feel that until you kind of sit with the movie like afterwards. Yeah. And I, I like, it's, I love Tom Hulse in this movie so fucking much. Like, Oh, <laughs> I love it. And I love, like uh, I was watching something where Milos Foreman, cause I knew Mark Ham, Mark Hamill had played Mozart. Right, he replaced, right. as we mentioned earlier, he replaced Tim Curry at one point on Broadway and that he was really gunning to play it in the film version. Um, and ultimately, Milos was like, no, I think we wanted like unknowns for these two roles, even though they feel like leading actor roles. He's like, I wanted you to believe yeah, them yeah. as these as Mozart, as Salieri. So that's why they went with that Murray Abraham and Tom Hulse for one thing. But like, just, yeah, I'm like, God damn, what a what great casting. And I love that they like went with their gut and we're like, we're going to do Americans and we're going to go for unknowns. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing, too, is like, I think. We talked about this in the first half, right? Is like mm-hmm. the casting it, when you do stuff like this now, right? You wouldn't really do this this way now, right? Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was like you would have like here's a story about like I don't know fucking Russian people, and it'll be like just mm-hmm. these American ass actors, right? Point. It's kind of point of view, right? So yeah. like in this case, I think Milos was like this is kind of I don't know British or American, but he was just like it's a it's like a it's it's a contemporary look at right. these characters. Like I was saying, like it's like this is the studio executive. These yeah. are the guy. These are his cronies that are around him. He, they didn't try to make him regal, even though he was dumb. Like it's yeah. not very overly sophisticated. Yeah, you know, it doesn't. Yeah. It it's it's comfortable just being like, I'm literally going to put Rooney in this role, right? And the audience is going to know. And in like, even though it's stupid and ridiculous, like yeah. that's okay. Like that's the audience is familiar with this kind of actor, and they will understand it inherently. Like you will yeah. just absorb what the story is. Rather than just try to be, look at how impressive I am by like casting these people who have like our accents that are appropriate, which is a choice, right? Some yeah. people don't like that. I think that's fine. I think I respect it either way. I think sure. only if you do it well, like in this case. Yeah. Related to this, like also when, when Milos was going to go see Amadeus, he was very hesitant to see it because he's like, I hate shit. I hate biographies. I hate biographies about like musicians in general and he was like and you know you know Czechoslovakia loves them because they're dead and they can't speak for themselves and then he saw Amadeus and <laughs> right, was like right, right. so because like yeah I think we take it for granted like just how how irreverent Amadeus is to history because now you have things oh, yeah. like you have like the favorite and the great and you know people are the Emily Dickinson show on um, iTunes or, or Apple TV mm-hmm. or whatever that like play fast yeah, yeah, and yeah. loose with history and you know we understand that the audience understands that this isn't real, you know, like that. Yeah, that, yeah. But like, just like how much he was like, oh shit, I thought this was just going to be a boring ass, like biography yeah, of yeah. a musician. And then it was something that was entirely not that, you know, like, and I, I, I love it for that so much. Like, I think that's why it's so yeah. important to me as a film, seeing it as a young kid was just like, it opened up this idea of like irreverence. Oh yeah. And I think just real quick, like one last point to make about F. Marie Abraham, as far as his performance, which ties into the music part of this is like, I don't know about you, but like I watch those scenes where he's like and I think like somebody who truly loves music, right, Mm -hmm. who truly appreciates what it is, not like a person who's like, oh, I just have whatever in the background as like a soundtrack to whatever. But like if you really listen to it, if you really love it, like you'll watch those scenes where he's listening to stuff or he's Mm -hmm. like he's playing the you know, he's reading the script or not the script. He's reading the notation of like when Mozart comes in in the beginning with the oboe. Yeah. You can see it on his face. Right. The guy is experiencing it. He is loving. And that's what makes that performance so interesting. As much as he's petty, he really does bring like he does deliver the goods when it comes to just being like, 
no, this man, like you can see how much it truly deeply means to him. Like, yeah. And that is that is what drives him to the insanity is that like, yeah. this guy understands music on such a deep level. And it's not just a superficial thing where he says a line. You see him play it. You see yeah. the way that like you really understand like that, it, what it means to him. And I think like he did a really great job of. Portraying yeah. That. Like it's that, you know, that fine line between like love and hatred where you have to love something that much to hate someone that deeply right, for being right. that good at it and on top of just being like you have to <laughs> be so deluded to not see your own successes in real life to hate somebody sure. who is by all means besides this so one good. thing that you love you know like beyond anything else is failing you know it also reminds me you've seen almost famous right yeah 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 yeah, it's at the end of Almost Famous for Feruza Balk is like, you know, like after like whatever, everything's happened. And mm-hmm. she's like because she confronts Russell at like the the food area. Yeah. And yeah, she's yeah. like all these all these young groupies like suck. This is the only other scene I remember that sort of reminds me of, of Amadeus that sort of that approaches that level where she's like, you know, these new groupies, they don't understand. Like they're not here for the music. They're just here for like the fame and whatever. And she's like, sure. And they don't understand how you can love a silly little piece of music so much yeah. that it hurts. Yeah. She's like, you can't explain that to someone. And I'm like, it's, it's cheesy, but like, it's true. At least for me anyway, I'm like, I sure. get that. Like that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a very sincere thing to me. Yeah. And, yeah. He's, and, he, and he sort of says that, right? He's like, oh, how could I explain to him when he's talking about his father? He's like, how could I explain to him right. what music meant to me? You know, right. that, that's a very musician-y kind of like you can't. That's the thing. Like, right. and that's what you spend your life doing by making these things. Is like you're trying to articulate this to somebody. Yeah. Like this is what I feel when I think about this thing or whatever right. this medium is. And, right, and people, right. you know, I mean, that's sort of what the pursuit of it is. I think. Yeah. So it, it's this is, this is me anyway. talking about fandom of the opera to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no, he, he's walking away, folks. He's walked away from his. <laughs> From his microphone. No, but like, I I think honestly, that is like the enduring factor of Amadeus and why people really enjoy it outside of the fact that it's about Mozart. Because it's it's not about Mozart. It's very easily about loving something so much that you not hate, but kind of in a way like hate, hate it. But you do. Right. You hate it. Yes. It makes you crazy. It makes you it it makes you irrational. Yes. Yes. And like, oh. I highly recommend going and reading the play because it is that, but just like yeah, yeah, yeah. To eight, like, and going back to something you were talking about earlier about like um, the way F. Murray Abraham sells that moment with like the oboe concerto. There's also that scene where Stanzi comes with all of his sheet music, you know, to show oh Salieri. My God. Another and like all time classic scene. They're all and they're all originals, and you know, Salieri's cutting like going between the different ones, and the soundtrack is you know playing that music, and F. Murray Abraham's face is just this mixture of agony and ecstasy, and like yeah, in the, it, that scene exists in the screenplay pretty much straightforward the same way, and like even the stage direction and what the music is making him feel, like a lot. I think a lot of playwrights would have been like, here's a piece of music, blah 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 blah, you know. He the actor actor yeah. actor has whatever his dialogue is, and in in Peter Schaefer's script, it's just like these very pointed, like specific references to certain pieces that you are never going to actually hear the titles of. Uh, that you yeah. even as a you know, if you're like anyone who's heard Mozart throughout life, but are not specifically a Mozart person, like wouldn't necessarily yeah, yeah. recognize. But like it sells them to you so well, you know, like like yeah yeah it's yeah. just written with such tremendous like love and passion without love, being without yeah, being annoying yeah. about it like it's just I, right I, right that's very hard to do it's yeah. very hard to do well did, very hard did to you do. ever see it was kind of like a, a knockoff called immortal beloved and it was about beethoven and it starred gary you Oldman. no it's funny i remember that movie mm-hmm. i never saw it i was telling sarah after i watched it i was like i kind of want to go watch that now because like every time i would do a search for anything like that would sure. show up as well but sure was it good was it bad I I haven't seen it since college, and I remember it being. There's a couple of really really neat sequences in it, um, but for the most part, mm-hmm. it just kind of being like one. It's very it's very serious. It doesn't have the comedic elements like no, this. No, no, it's 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 Bummer. super serious. Um, prestige with a capital it's, P. It's very prestige, and it's it's like one of those things where it's like I see what you were trying to do, but you missed the point. You know, <laughs> like entirely. <laughs> um, but there's a couple of neat sequences in it, but on the whole, I didn't think it was. I thought it was fine. It was just it was it was whelming. Mm. As as you would okay. say, um, I was whelmed Whelming. by uh, Immortal Beloved. <laughs> yeah, like it's just so I mentioned before we started recording this, I, I'd watched I went back and watched Milo Schwerman's yeah. um, The Fireman's Ball, which was his last movie that he made in the Czech language and was also the reason why he mm-hmm. had to leave the Czech Republic or the Czechoslovakia right, at the right, time. Right. And it is this very small slice of life comedy and again, going back to what you were talking about, just about it being all reaction shots. Like it's just about a fireman's yeah. ball 
these people who care about this thing and they're trying to, you know, honor their old fire captain who's 85 and they know is dying. So they're like, oh, shit, we got to honor him. We love him, but like we we are hindered by our own incompetence and self-interest in pulling this <laughs> off successfully. And so, like, it's just... You really like it was really fun to watch after Amadeus because, yes, it is all reaction shots and it is all about like the human element of just people. That's reacting. Where he's cutting his teeth he, like, and learning it. Yeah. yeah. And it's I think it's the same director of photography, too. Um, but like just yeah. like doing so much with so little is like what yeah, that yeah. movie is. And honestly, even though Amadeus is like this big, elaborate costume drama, like a lot of what's good about it is so much with so little. It's like these little moments of just human interaction. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Surrounded yeah. by all the stuff that you would normally associate with prestige and importance in a period drama. Like it, it none of that actually matters. You know, it's just literally. No. And I, and, I, and I found that like some of the directors who are like end up being like the most revered and that people love is mm. like they do look for. It's not just the moments of like, oh, like how he lifted his toe. It's like it's even just cut shot like shots of just like, re again, reaction stuff. So even. Yeah. Literally in the opening where the two servants come in and they're banging on the door as yeah. Salieri is killing himself. They're like, they bring him some fucking, I don't know. It's like a, what do they call it in English? I forget the name in English, but they it's, like, him, like, it's like a little like, puff, cream puff. Yeah. They bring him cream puffs. And it like looks little, delicious too. It looks, yeah. And like sweetened cream to go with it. And like his valet is eating yeah. it too. <laughs> like taking the yeah. moment to eat some they, of it for himself. And they took the time to, sh to shoot the reaction of the guy who's holding the tray, like putting his mouth into the cup and yeah. eating it because he can't use his hands. Yeah. Right. So it's oh, so I guess we should real quick talk about like the food aspect of this oh, is yeah, like yeah. food actually just being a big thematic kind of thing about manipulation. Yes. But it's like but I think about it's like a, a good director, I think, like looks for those just little things. It's like, OK, here's this each one of those guys, each or, or men and women, like anybody mm. that you cut to, even if it's like a minor character will do a thing. And you're yeah. like, OK, I remember that person because they did this. It's almost yeah. like a Coen brothers movie in a yes. way where it's like, yeah, yeah. You, just, you remember just because of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's like small idiosyncrasies to like, you know, just people like I, 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 one of the other things I said, like, Oh, there are a ton of character actors in it. And like the valley is played by Vincent Schiavelli, yeah. who I love. And like, they wanted it to snow, like, cause they didn't have the capacity to fake snow in Prague. Like there's just like, yeah. it was not going to yeah. happen. So it snow had to happen. And so like, Vincent Schiavelli was trying to like film Stop something. trying to make snow happen. Yeah. And Vincent Schiavelli was like booked to shoot something for taxi and they're banking on snow happening. So they had to fly him in to do exterior shots. Oh like God. very last minute down to the wire just because they couldn't get snow to do it. But like that was the care that went like they need like they were like, no, we have to have these scenes with servants because who, who are yeah. characters in the play? Just that amount of care and, you know, interest in those two characters was displayed for that. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. very cool to me, you know, like. That's the thing that makes the thing also, go. <laughs> the thing that always gets me too is like, it's like you mentioned his sweet tooth, right? Mm -hmm. It's like in the scene where he's waiting to see Mozart for the first time. And he's like, I played a game with myself and I'm trying to see. So he's like, is he as prestigious as like, you know, as his yeah. music? What does he look like? And then he he spy he sees like the a bunch of these people like bringing in food to take mm -hmm. him into like a little like banquet room where like right. no one's allowed yet. Yeah. And he follows them. And it's like. It's all about like how Salieri like thinks he's like this genius who like can understand things. And at the end of the day, and like literally in the like one of the first scenes of the movie, he's just literally like walking over to that room, and then he sees mm. that there are people there, yeah. like who are bringing stuff in. And he's not allowed, so he just like turns around and pretends like he's like, right. he's like, oh, like, this, like oh, the fabric on this thing is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as they leave, just sneaks in so he could go get like a piece of chocolate, which also right. again, all the all the sweets look delicious in this. It's another thing that's like a kind of a throwaway, you would think, but yeah. it's like that tells you. That indicates to you like what kind of person this is, even yeah. though it's just it's like he he thinks of himself one way and yet his actions describe or his actions actually show another. Yeah. The scene where Stanzi comes to Salieri and shows him the music and he gives her this Venus of nipples or Venus nipple candy, yeah, right. Venus of nipples. Uh, there's like a shot where like, OK, so she's given him the music and he's she's already had one of those things. And it's like, oh, delicious. And, falling <laughs> for it. and then it, it cuts to Salieri look, looking at this music and it's so transcendent. And then there's like this one shot of her just like kind of like slowly sneaking another sneaking one and in. putting it in her mouth. <laughs> Just like a small, fun idiocy, like, but it, it says so much about her as a character and like how little like this is all going over her head. She's just there to get him a job. She's not like yep. there to like put laurels on her husband. <laughs> you know, she just is like, I'm going to just uh, take one of these. It's a very Homer Simpson moment. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and so good. And then later, I guess we didn't really mention this, but just briefly. So one of the parts of the plan when he's trying to destroy Mozart is that he hires a, a maid. Yes. Yeah. To like, as like being like, Oh, I'll just give them a free maid and they'll be like, Oh, our fans love us. So yeah. some maid can go in, which is played by a very young Cynthia Nixon. Right. Yeah. She's like 17. Uh, I think and she ends up. 
Yeah, and she ends up being a spy for Salieri, and yeah. it's another scene where he's like, he keeps giving her sweets, like that's right. That's yeah, yeah, him yeah. trying to like manipulate people. It's it, I don't know. It's just a funny little bit of business that he does that like yeah, really ends ne- up becoming like something that's very important. He never gives Mozart anything sweet, as far as I'm aware. He never does no sweets. And you know, yeah. it's like these these two men have so much in common, and that so that scene. I like that they had that scene at the end where you know. Uh, Mozart basically is like, I, you know, admire you. And they almost have like this weird reconciliation that does not yeah, really yeah. exist in the Forgive play. Um, like yeah. that these two men, you know, have so much in common. And, you know, the way that like Salieri can like, even if it's superficially like sympathize with what Mozart's going through, you know, like yeah. th- that, like yeah. it's just this one pitiful seed of jealousy that blows up into something that makes to the point where he wants to kill this man is like, Yep, yep. Again, vice principles, like you know, like <laughs> like, like that, like where 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 uh, by Walton where Lee is dying, and he's like, "I love you," and he just wants yeah. you know, yeah. uh, he he just <laughs> wants Danny McBride to say, "I love you back," and it had to get to this point where right. they could ever have any yeah. real meaningful emotional exchange, you know, like that's that scene <laughs> where they're writing the requiem, and like that, it's just like such a good satisfying funny tragedy you know like like <laughs> oh 100% yeah I, I love it I love it so much I love this movie love um, uh, yeah go, basically go we have nothing bad to say which is no. terrible I'm sorry yeah. for people who expected us to have anything critical to say we're terrible it's just we're too close I can talk about this, this movie the, for this is what they demanded yeah we could probably yeah. talk I'm like we should probably wrap it up I will say yeah. one last thing right before yeah. we go this is the final thought I was going to throw to you which uh is is this idea that the ending shows the idea is supposed to be about Salieri sort of being, I don't know if like Satan is the correct person Mm. to draw a parallel with him about, Mm. but him basically being like, I have, I have started this war on God. Mm -hmm. God is like my nemesis. And by the end, Mm. he's just like, I am your patron saint of mediocrity going around being like, I absolve you. I absolve you. I absolve you. Like the idea that he's sort of the devil. Yeah. Have you have you heard this? Have you heard this thought before? Yeah, I've heard this. But if you want to, you know, extrapolate upon it real quick, by all means. Oh, I mean, that's basically it. Uh, there's oh. no, there's not much more to say beyond that. Well, it is it is very interesting. Like, there's the the monologue where he's like, "I declare war on God." Basically, um, I don't think the line is yeah. in the movie, but like Salier has this line that's like, you know, they say that God is here to tell man how to be, but who are you to tell man how to be? You know, like man commands yeah. God, like. Which yeah. I guess in a lot of theological circles, especially of the day, would be like, that is Satan right there. You know, like that hubris right, is right, Satan right, right, speaking right. through you. But interesting, interesting. You guys, thank you for listening. Let us know your thoughts on Amadeus. Yep. As I uh, recommended, please, 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 if you have not seen it, try please. to track down the theatrical cut. Yes. It is worth it. I promise you it is much, much better than the director's cut. Although yeah. if you do end up having to only watch the director's cut, do a little research and see what scenes uh, did not belong in there because I do feel, I remember seeing it being like, it really slowed it down. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's still worth watching, even if it is a little overly long as the director's cut. But it's not like the, if it's the first time you're seeing it though, you should see it. Yes. You're right. 100%. Yes. The preferable way. Yes. Anyway. Sorry. I don't know. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, let us know what you're, what you thought. Beautiful. Enunciation. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts. You can follow us if you haven't already on Twitter. We are at Musical Splaining with no G, at Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. Um, please, 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 I say this every episode, please. leave us good reviews. Please follow the sponsor links. It really helps. Um, we need approval. We need people to love us. If yes. not, we will be forced to continue this podcast. Yes. Uh, until someone does tell us that they love us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we will just be Mozart spinning our wheels. Uh Going on and on forever, uh, not understanding <laughs> that we are brilliant if you don't, you know, <laughs> go with these yeah. sponsor things that you do like us. Uh, yeah. Uh, and of course, I'm at Kavataharian on Twitter, at Permafriends on Instagram. Yep. And I am Y Angelina Y on Twitter and Angelina underscore S-E-E on Instagram. Yes, you guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And we will, see, we will see you at the theater. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was my bad invitation. Oh.